First Corinthians 13 this morning. First Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And that's only true, half true. That's half true. We're going to do the half true part this morning, which is uh, really loud. Which is verse um, one through eight, <clears throat> or the first part of one, uh, of the first part of verse eight. So we'll go through that. Um, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and I have no love, I become as a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love. Let's see, I lost my place. Um, I am nothing, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long its kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. So we're going to back up here and <clears throat> kind of go back through this a little bit. Um, and it's, as we said, it's it's got two main topics. We're just doing the love part of this. Um, we're going to come to the second chapter, which he uses this as a, an introduction into, uh, he's taking a, a short break, but he's not really. He's going to use this to talk about the miracles, which we've been talking about in chapter 12. He's going to talk about it in this chapter, and then he's going to talk about it in chapter 14, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so this is actually a part of that discussion, though it does not look like that, although he begins talking about prophecy and things like that. What do you suppose verse 1 is used to support? Have you ever used it, heard it used to support anything? Speak with what tongues? Okay, specifically specifically angels. Why do they reference the tongues of angels, those who use this? Why do you suppose that they would say, well, see, I'm speaking with the tongue of angels? Why? It's a language we've never, ever... Uh, right. It's a, so there's an intrinsic recognition on the part of those uh, charismatic groups that what they do does not fit anywhere in Acts chapter 1. So they need a place to justify what they do, which is jibber-jabber. And since I have never talked to an angel, it's kind of hard to prove that an angel doesn't sound like that, except that it kind of is. Um, so we're going to look at some, some uh, before we get a little further into this text about love, I do want to mention a couple of things. There's problems with this interpretation, as you may expect. First of all, language works the same no matter what language it is. Right? There has to be rules, doesn't there? If you, if you don't have rules of communication, your language goes extinct. That's why languages, we don't, no one speaks Latin anymore. People lost the ability to communicate with one another. Rules change, this person... And languages do that. There has to be some common understanding of the language, otherwise it goes extinct. So angels have to communicate with one another as well, right? 
I assume. So that means whatever angels speak, there's rules to it. There's a grammar to it. And if I knew it, I could figure it out. That means if someone was here speaking with tongues of angels, we'd have an awesome code breaker. We were pretty good at breaking codes. Right? We could do that. We, so was, well, we know what, what uh, angel for this verb is and what that noun and what their prepositions are. We could come up with an alphabet. So if you're speaking an angel's language, that would be sweet. That would be awesome, quite frankly. That would be the first logical flaw that I see. There are some scientific problems uh, with with this interpretation. One is what they do is called it's got a it's got a scientific word called glossolalia. And glossolalia uh, is, it means speaking languages, but it's used in the medical community uh, community to refer to nonsensical speaking. In uh, it's it's exhibited. Uh, these speech patterns are, you've heard it before in your kids when they pretend to speak a foreign language. You ever had, heard kids try to speak a foreign language when they're in their play? Well, they don't know it. And they do the same thing. They just make a couple of repetitive sounds that don't sound English. Um, it's also exhibited in schizophrenic patients, and it's also exhibited in Tourette's syndrome. Right. So it is not an angel's language. That would be the second thing. Um, so the third thing is we have a contextual problem. What is similar about all the things in verses one through three that he lists? They're all they all have something in common. It doesn't have anything to do with what they are. There is it's a it's a English device. What is the English device that he's using? Okay. Hmm? He says if if or though or they're all hypotheticals, they're all rhetorical devices. In other words, they weren't actual. He says, if I spoke, if I had done this, it still would mean nothing without love. Yes? Yeah, he, he's trying to point to some extremes here. Like okay. If I could do these really, right. really yes. great and crazy things, even if I could do that, but I didn't have this. Right. He's not saying he actually did that. Did, did Paul do, look at the rest of this list. Did he do any of the other things in this list? No. Did he give his body to be burned? No. Is it even possible that Paul could know every absolute fact on the planet? No, that's not possible. We know it's not true because he was stopped by the Spirit of Jesus and right. going where he wanted to go. Right. And he didn't know why. Yeah, precisely. We have so much evidence that he did not know everything <laughs> beyond the fact that it's humanly impossible. So, so to take one of these out of this list is to, to really do damage to the context and, and to, to forget what... It's always important to remember what the thing is that the person is trying to prove. So, so he's not saying that speaking in a language 
of angels is actually possible, he's going to what we call the theater of the absurd. He's taken it as far as you can to prove a point, which even if he could, and he did so without love, his entire basis of whatever he was trying to accomplish would be null and void. Um, he would be like a clanging cymbal. That's what it would. That, that's what it would be like. Like we have a drum set in our basement, right? And we have some kids that come over. We have a Bible study on on uh, uh, Thursday. It's it's switched back and forth so many times. Um, and and some of those are some smaller kids, and it's just clanging and crashing. And, uh, and then they get on the, the piano, and they crank and crash on that. And Atlas at least has a volume control, so he can manage that one. Uh, so that's an electric piano. Um, uh, so, you know, we, that's what all of your religious duty without love is like. That's what it's perceived as, in other words. If people perceive religious service without any connection as just a bunch of clatter just a bunch of people don't understand if you talk to them about communion or you talk about they don't understand that the only interaction that really means something to a person who's not a christian is love it's not tongues or it's not anything else um and he even he even gets down to that. He says, "Listen, if if I bestowed all my goods to feed the poor, but didn't have love, it profits me nothing." You, you just write a check; it doesn't do anything. If there's no interpersonal connection, uh, if if there's no genuine attempt to relate Christ to people, it's really it's pointless. It doesn't do much. Uh, so so let's he gets into defining love now. One of the things we're going to notice, what do you notice most about this list? This definition of, of, of love. Well, I find something very noticeable about this list as you go through it. Yeah, it's more about what it's not, isn't it? Um, it's not really the emotional aspect. And that's a great point. Love is defined in the things it does or doesn't do. Um, it is not. They they didn't focus so much on the feeling of love. Um, they had a bunch of different words for love. That's part of it, probably. They probably, if they wanted to talk about the emotional side of things, they probably had a word for that. And what's that? Uh, so that was romantic love. I don't even know if they might have a further word for love that was just, you know, like a compassion, feely kind of love. Uh, I, I don't know. So yes, that was that was one of them. Um, there's like uh, I think I, I know of three, and I don't, I'm sure I'm sure like anything, there's there's tons of words uh, that kind of cross that you know idea. What is love? Love does what? There are two things that it definitely does do. Love does what? Love is patient, or love suffers long, quite literally. Love suffers long, verse 4. Why does love suffer long? Now remember, this whole thing is about 
Unity, yes. Okay. So why is God long-suffering with me? Okay, I have more than the ability to make mistakes. I have the propensity to make mistakes. That's my inclination. Um, you know, not looking at it from that perspective because he's always right and I'm always wrong. Look at it from our perspective with one another. Because that's what this is about. This is about unity. Okay. Without a connection which goes to unity. Right. To this. It also goes on the fact of the right in that people are faulty. And that you yourself are also not perfect. Okay. Yes, that's true. So, so, and that, that really goes to the, the idea of here is relationships are very rarely in equilibrium, perfect equilibrium. In other words, at any point of the day, someone is usually kind of doing and picking up a little bit of extra for the other person. It's very rarely that you're perfectly in sync, right? Is someone's kind of carrying the ball for you at this point. You might be doing it later. Now, you get really ticked when you have to pick up that ball. Right up until, you know. Never answers the phone. Oh, why does he have a phone? And right up until the other, it's on the other, you know. Oh, you know, why didn't, I couldn't get a hold of you. Oh. And then the next time, oh, you could and then it's like that all the time. There's always this back and forth. And so love suffers long. Why? Because it's going to be your turn probably by the end of the day. Love suffers long. And that's the need of unity in the church. Because now we've got that multiplied not between two people in a marriage, but we've got that multiplied by 60, 70, 80 people in a group. So it only... It only Multiplies that problem. <clears throat> Love suffers long and what? It is kind. Word kind here I like. It's actually <clears throat> the word kind in Greek is krestos, which sounds a whole lot like Christos, and that's not an accident. It's a derivative of the same word, which means useful. That <laughs> kind of interesting. That, that Christ's name derives from a word that means useful <clears throat> or beneficial. Um, religion needs to be useful, not just to to non Christians, but to each other. Uh, and, and so that that comes in kindness. That's the 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 mechanism we think of kindness like a lot of, again like you're saying that these aren't really emotions these are actions and it will come across in how we are emotional with one another yes
Right. Right. Yeah, constructive criticism isn't really all that constructive on occasion. It depends on, it does depend on the emotional mechanism that you use to be useful. Do people perceive that you are trying to help or that you are just by, well, I'm <laughs> Yes. That doesn't necessarily help them. Right. That's right. It's not always kind. Right. Being right is not always kind. So when we say useful, well, I'm right in this. If they would have done it my way, they would have been. That's not necessarily useful, even if it would have worked. You know, uh, your pointing it out has to be done in a useful way. It, it's a, a way that will make make them want to listen. Uh, so, um, and now we get into the long list of what it's not. Love does not what. Okay, love does not envy. Pretty, pretty simple. This is actually a very non-common word in the Bible for envy. Um, <clears throat> it means a heated desire, and it can be used in a positive or a negative sense. It's used right before this. In fact, in chapter twelve, he said when he said earnestly desire the greater gifts. Same word. Um, so it's not a word that carries by itself a negative implication that's supplied by the context. So if he says, don't do that, well, then you kind of know he's meaning the bad side of that. Don't envy, don't have this heated desire for what? For what? What is not mine, and what doesn't need to become mine? Um, how is this the enemy of unity? Maybe it seems obvious. You're not content with what you have, and you want what somebody else has. Okay. <laughs> All right. Even if I don't make a goal to get it from them. Okay, there's a feeling of competition for stuff. Or not even a thing, not even necessarily a physical thing. It, it could be attention, it can be, we've just talked about, we've gone through this whole chapter where, where we're talking about this group of people you give the greater honor to, and, and, and we do this to try to reduce the competition and, and make people feel a part of things. Not driving that wedge. That's a good, good phrase. Um, because even if, <clears throat> even if I had no plans on going towards what they have, that still makes that person insecure in what they have. If they have a blessing from God or whatever, it, they, you know, are they trying to get something? I mean, as, and especially if it's something which I, morally speaking, don't have a right to. And both parties can't appreciate a blessing from God. This is one of the biggest things. God gives someone a blessing. God says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. They get something. Rejoice with them. If I'm envying them, I can't rejoice with them. And they can't have anybody rejoice with them. It, it, it does this double damage 
on both sides of the equation. So, man, I'd love to share this, but I can't talk to this person about it because he just kind of wants my stuff. Or, you know, it's like... So do not envy. Next one. Love does not what? Love does not boast. Some versions, I'm not sure, say love does not act rashly. It seems like a lot of difference between those two translations. Um, yes? Yes, okay, so the the old King James said love does not vaunt itself, and I don't know what vaunting is. It looks like vaulting. I don't know. I'm not a... Uh, yeah. Put yourself up on some sort of pedestal, and that's why I think boasting is probably the best of the... I don't know what acting rashly is, but and where where they come from that definition. Um, it it's it's the I, part of the reason is is that it's it's only used in this verse in the Bible. There's no other verses for us to compare it to. Yeah, it seems like the first two go together pretty well. Yeah. Envy is thinking somebody else is better than you, and you want that, and the other one is you're going to shut, feel like you're better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And maybe the main thing is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's kind they're all really all these things that you don't do is really when you come down to it it's all about self and, and self is the enemy of unity unity is achieved by placing all individuals within the context of the whole and what does bragging do it, it, it isolates one person to be receiving accolades for something that I think I should get. The only time someone should be put on a pedestal, as we said, was in chapter 12, and you do that for others. Who don't regularly get that platform. And so... That's how you maintain unity. Love is not what? Now we go from love... Yeah. It's not proud. Now we go from what love doesn't do. For a couple, we talk about love isn't. In other words, that just a subtle shift. But the next two are what it isn't. I mean, it's connected to what they don't do, but but it's it, what we do comes from our character inside of us, and, and bragging doesn't just happen. Bragging is a it comes from arrogance. Now, some people say, well, sometimes it can come from a low self-esteem. Well, that might be true, but that doesn't. A low self-esteem can still be arrogant. It's still focused on me. It's still a mindset focused on me.
What does arrogance need? What does it want? What is its goal? Okay, it comes from a place of self-centered, like all of these. Yeah. Okay. I want some kind of recognition. I, I want to be considered to be somebody. Whether it comes from, I've never felt that, and, and I would like that, or I was raised and, and mommy and daddy just told me how great I was all the time, and everything I did was perfect, and I never made any mistakes. And uh, my, Just so you know, my mom never did that to me. So that's... <laughs> uh, you know, it, it it can come out the same way. It can produce the same thing. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yep. Yeah. But it's not a proper perspective. Neither one of those sides is a proper perspective. There's nobody that's totally useless. You know what? I would just like to get the accolades one because I don't really think I deserve it. That's really, that's not anybody. And the other is true. There's no one that's just better than everybody at everything. There's nobody without faults. We're all somewhere in that middle. The difference between us really on a human level is not that great. So it's not arrogant. Uh, some say puffed up. What do you think of when you think of puffed up? Okay. Okay. Okay, I, I have a new like mental image that, that comes to my mind. Mike Black was talking about this one line of ice cream. What's the name of that? Halo Top. Halo Top. You can eat a whole pint and not gain weight. <laughs> Halo Top. <laughs> it's got hair. That's exactly. He says we whip we whip about we whip about two to three times of the air in it. So you can feel like you're getting a, a pint, but you're getting about a half a pint of air. <laughs> and you pay twice the price. Yeah. And that's not what love does. It right. Doesn't, it doesn't always think that it's right. It doesn't always. Huh. Love has substance. Um, it's real. It's tangible. And and I think like what you're talking about when you get people that are never wrong and that they they can never. 
they can never apologize. They can never, those people are plastic. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Like, it just, they, they, it's like, how do I connect with a person like that? It's hard to connect with them. I mean, you can communicate, you can talk about the weather, and you can talk about your job, and you can talk about cars, and you can talk about sports, and you can talk about whatever. But you can't really make any deep connections with that. It's not tangible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like cellophane. It's like, ugh. And there's, there's just, there's nothing. It's puffed up. And it is not what? Not rude. Some say love doesn't act becomingly. That's a little bit more broad because that's a lot of things that aren't becoming. This would be more specific. But it doesn't just cover how you talk, but it covers what you do. Um... Your, it's your interpersonal behavior. Love isn't, I mean, it's really kind of self-explanatory. Love isn't rude. And it goes back to what you're saying, how, you know, oh, I'm right. Uh, yeah, but, okay, so you're right. If you said it in a rude way, or if you are rude, there are ways to be rude. How can you be rude without speaking rudely? Can you be rude without speaking rudely? Okay. We talked about that last week. Inclusion. Oh, people get a lot from a look, don't they? And sometimes it's inaccurate, but... You can get a lot from a look sometimes. Love is not rude. Love does not what? And this is kind of covers all of them. Okay, love doesn't seek its own. What does... Uh, some, one version I read uh, said love does not insist on getting its own way, which is really specific. I'm not sure that... I mean, that would definitely come under this. <laughs> like, but I, I don't think it's always... Um, I don't think this is talking about a specific interpretation that's, I want to do things this way and I'm going to get my own way. That would definitely fit. <laughs> There's people that, you've got to do it their way. They're not going to be happy. Uh, so there's there's that, but, but what other applications might there be? Seeking its own. Okay. Like you don't, uh, you don't love so that you can, you know, for a specific purpose, for or prior love, for a specific purpose to try to get something back. Okay. What's in it for me? Why should I get involved with this? So love does not seek its own. And how does that create disunity? 
But these are all love. These are all, all of these things imply our connection with other people. So how does that affect unity, specifically? Everybody's up for on their own end goal. They're just trying to get something from somebody else. Well, then you really can care about you and what you can get okay. from them instead of how you can help them and how you can strengthen them instead. Okay. You're all pulled within all different areas. You're not united. Right. Exactly. If everyone's got some angle, like you talked about, and they're trying to achieve a personal thing from it, then no one's pulling in one direction. We're all trying to go this way. No, over here. No, over here. And, and it's not really that constructive. So... Um, we're eventually going to neglect the needs of those who actually do have some. Those who do need to derive some benefit are probably not going to be the ones that get the benefit from it. It's going to be the strongest puller that's going to get the benefit. That's just how it is. There's another one. Love isn't what? Easily angered. Easily angered? I saw someone... Love isn't irritable. Well, that makes... When I hear the word irritable, I, I, hear, I hear the word grumpy, and maybe that's true, but... I, I think this is getting a little bit stronger than, than that. Easily provoked. And I, I think of a little bit more heated, someone that flies off the handle, you know. It is connected to that. If, if God was easily provoked at us, and legitimately, by the way, it, with us, it's legitimate, we wouldn't exist. A lot of times we wouldn't exist. I mean, like, there's one, and there he's gone. Like that, if he was easily provoked, and he has a right to be. How many times have you been easily provoked, and then like, ooh, I didn't read that situation, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the first thing. We do not get a right read of the situation 
quite frequently. So keep the powder dry <laughs> and, uh, and, and weigh it out. Sometimes it's just the best policy. Um, typically it is. And so there's that. But how do people respond to someone who has that? Or maybe how do you respond to someone who is easily provoked, who has that character? Okay. What if you can't avoid being around them? They work in the next cubicle. Yes, you do. Okay. So, so and those are the two things that you're going to see in a church. When there are people that are easily provoked, people are either going to decide to not be around them, that manifests itself as we go to a different church. Or we come in, I'm over here, I'm slipping out the back, before I have to see him. Right, that, that's the two ways it manifests itself. They're going to be involved in this. Guess what I'm not going to be involved in? I'm not going to go to special functions because they're going to be there. That, that's how it manifests itself. And that is not good for unity. Because now, if I'm leaving early because, or whatever, because I don't want to get... Now, I'm losing the connection to the rest of the people that I might not have the problem with. It, it just it tears things up. Don't be easily provoked. You kind of mess it up for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. This next one gets a lot of interpretation. Love doesn't do what? Okay, so so. Okay. So. So anybody have a different reading of that? Hold a grudge. Does anybody have love thinks no evil? Well, that's broad. I don't see those two uh, neither do I, right? Until you read the original. And you can see, okay, I guess I can see where both of them got what they got out of that. Though they might not look that awful connected. The word... For think is the word logic. It comes from an accounting term. It's to, to evaluate something. And evil, it's just simply the word bad, badness. So it can be an accounting of evil. I'm considering all the things evil that you have done to me. I have evaluated them, and I'm keeping the record, the, the logic that's that terminology, yes. I wonder if, I know the law of Moses does not, that the different Pharisees had a way of keeping 
keeping track because someone asked Jesus, yeah. how many times must I, you know, be yeah. with my brothers? And yeah. they gave a specific total. Yeah. You know, so I wonder if it was in yeah, I, I don't know. something or other. I don't know. I, th- th- I'm, sure, I'm, sh- I'm sure there was something, yeah. I'm going to throw another hat into the ring here. This is one of those things we talk about language changing, and it's really difficult, and so people stop speaking that language. That's why one of the reasons why this language is no longer spoken. Greek is spoken, but not this Greek. is because it was so, their, their words had so many meanings, no one knew what you were saying anymore. Right? And so like, like we're trying to figure out what in the world this phrase means. They would have immediately understood it, but we can't go back and read this and go, Oh yeah, it means this. It's, so we sometimes adopt a very broad interpretation because we don't know the specific one. Uh, but there's another way you can use your logic to assign wrong or think about wrong, and that is to assign wrong motives to things. We read people's minds. We know why they're doing. Love doesn't think evil. Love doesn't assume or reason out the evil that people are doing or going to do or why they're doing it. That doesn't promote none of these things. None of these different interpretations, really, they all fall under one umbrella of thinking no evil. They, none of them promote unity. In Young's literal translation, I think that comes to falsus, it says, does not impute evil. Right. Think, okay. others are doing right. evil when they're not. And then we're going to finish here. We'll get to the, the uh, verse um, 7 next week. But it says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. What does that have to do with unity? Okay. And he's not even talking here about the people who do the good or bad. He's talking to people who laugh at it. The people who condone it. It fosters dysfunction because now you have a group of people, you have a church. It's no different than you have a bunch of school kids. You have the the punk in the class and everybody laughs at them. Well, half of them laugh. Some of them laugh and they don't really want to because they know it's wrong, but everybody else is laughing. And I feel nervous being the goody two-shoes in the class So I'm going to go along with it. Well, guess who that encourages? That encourages Mr. Troublemaker. And then other people get pulled into it because that's funny. He gets approval from it. So, so maybe I'll try it out. You see that in kids pretty easily. Don't do that as adults either. 
God doesn't find it cute. Um, and so it's not even the participation. God says a lot of the participation comes from people even just condoning it or, or giving approval in, in some way. And so people are compelled to join in, like Barnabas. The brother of consolation is ignoring the one who put his arms around people and said, hey, come on in, we got a big umbrella, is all of a sudden caught up because Peter is giving approval to men who pretended that they were from James when they weren't. And now you've got a church sliced right down the middle. So don't give approval. You see it? You go, no. Mm-mm. That's not how that's not how it is. And you cut that. If no one laughs at the idiot in the class, right? He shuts up really fast. Any thoughts as we as we close? All right, you're dismissed.